welcome to the Wealth and Purpose Podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to creating wealth in a way that feels really good and live their purpose fully in the process. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive business coach. I'm also a wife, a mom to two preteens, a professor, Girl Scout leader, and well, hey, you get it. Like you, I wear a lot of hats. Whether you're looking for inspiration to get started or strategies to get growing, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey, welcome everyone. Patty here, and I have Tracy Build with us. Now, you may know Tracy, you may not know Tracy, but by the end of this interview, you are going to want to know Tracy. I will tell you that. Tracy holds a very special place in my heart because for really no good reason, she agreed to mentor me out of the blue, simply because she believes in empowering women. Tracy runs an extremely successful business in consulting. She's also written three books. She has a huge bunch of accolades and awards. Her firm landed on the 2013 Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies list. So many things I could tell you about her. She's written, like I said, three books. My favorite is Get Your Girl Back. And what I love about Tracy is she is one of those powerhouses that when you see her, if you just heard her speak from the stage or heard her story, you would imagine she was completely unapproachable, that she has every minute micromanaged to have created the success in the life she has, but that's the complete opposite. She makes time for people. She cares. She works hard to help other women get ahead. And for that reason, I am so excited to introduce you to her. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. So Tracy, you have wealth in the traditional sense of money, but you also have wealth in so many other areas that I think are so important in terms of family life and fun and adventure. I know when I see pictures you put up of you dressing up for costume parties, like seriously, how many costume parties do you go to a year? Because it it's like amazing. I'm about one a quarter. Okay. Yeah. You look always so badass. Um And you have that family life and you have time control. So what do you consider to be the definition of wealth? That is such a great question. It really did make me stop and think because when you say wealth, I really don't think money. Um, What I think more than anything is wealth is a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a state of mind. And wealth is, in my opinion, about being present in your life and really being grateful and having that sense of gratitude for your life and and that being around health and friendships and family and all the things that really matter. And that's not to say that I don't look at my total net worth every once in a while and say, oh my gosh, I'm going to pinch myself uh, because that is important too. And so, you know, financial wealth has provided me um, a really comfortable life, but I would say it's not changed me really at all as a person from when I had nothing to when, you know, I've developed this great wealth I have today. I'm still the same old Tracy. And I don't know what you were like before you had wealth, so I can't (laughs) speak to that, but I would tell you, you're pretty, pretty down to earth these days. So can you tell us, because I actually don't know the story, what it was like for you to go 
and create wealth, like what monetary wealth and, and do it in a way that felt good to you. What was that journey? Like what got you to strive for that? Where were the leaps that happened? Sure. So when we talk about that, I have a visual that comes to my mind. I went to college in Daytona beach and I remember I'd go to Jacksonville. I had um, a corporate cleaning service while I was in college. And I would drive along A1A, which is along the beach. And I would see all these beautiful stilt homes on the ocean. And I was very young. It was in my early 20s. And I just have goosebumps right now because I remember thinking, I am going to live in one of those one day. I'm going to live in one of those. And every time I drove by, it just spoke to me. I wanted to live in one of those stilt homes. And then I would walk with my mom on the beach in Daytona and I would talk about, you know, like then we had a cleaning business and I would say, oh, we're going to do 5,000 a month in billables. And then we're like, maybe next year we'll be at 10,000 a month and then a hundred. And then, you know, so in all of these dreams started to manifest on the ocean and Daytona beach. So for me, it was starting to really just formulate in my mind, my expectation of what I wanted and I really do believe we have to see it in our minds and believe that we can do it before we can manifest it. And then as you start to move towards those goals, small goals to big goals and doing things you never dreamed you could, you start to build that muscle of confidence and faith that I can do this. Another big trigger for me is I have always had some kind of a financial mentor that I've looked up to. And I always had this woman in my life who just killed it financially. And I remember I was, again, in my early 20s, and I'd be like, I've never seen like a woman drive a Jag or buy a home on the water. And she wasn't married. You know, she was an independent woman, had a great job, ultimately started her own business too. But I remember thinking, well, if she did that, I can do that. And to this day, like 20 years later, I still sort of stalk and follow her a little bit because she keeps raising her own bar. And I think, well, if she's doing that, what can I do? And so it's, it's for me, it's mentors in the sense of seeing someone else do what I maybe thought was impossible to remind me that, you know what, I can do that too. Mm, that is such an important piece. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm going to bring in something I've never talked about on this podcast, <laughs> hopefully I never will again, and it's the book, um, Lean In. And I've always had a problem with that book for one reason that, you know, the author, Sheryl Sandberg, had access to mentors that most women don't actually get mm -hmm. um, easily, easy access to. And, and she really kind of didn't speak to that. But you're speaking to it now and you're really making me realize, you know, that's in everyone's ballpark to do that for themselves, to find those people who can inspire them and drive them and be the guidepost to make it happen for themselves. And normal people. Um, I was speaking in a classroom for a bunch of kids and the teacher was like, and who is your mentor? And I know they were expecting some big famous person. And you know, I brought up like Victoria Linden, who's my saver sister, Angela Kim. I'm like, these are normal people that you don't know that have done extraordinary things. And, you know, it's amazing when you seek out and that all starts back with the mind. You have to decide, hey, please manifest someone for me that I can really model and mentor myself after. But the other thing I've learned is I learned what I want to be through this kind of person I was modeling myself after and who I don't want to be. And as I grew in my wealth, there were things that I was unwilling to compromise on that I saw happening with this person. So it was kind of like, it felt like kind of God had this individual in my life to show me what I could be, 
but also what can happen when you have a lot of wealth and what are you willing to sacrifice and what's non-negotiable? So it was a very strange dynamic, but you, you do want to be thinking about money's great, but money can also cause a lot of problems if you're not prepared for it. And my number one rule, by the way, is it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. And I tell my kids that every day, if you cannot manage $10,000 a year, you will never be able to manage $100,000 a year. And if you can't manage $100,000, you are never going to be able to manage $1 million a year. So you've got to learn to manage your money before you will be blessed with more. I firmly believe that. And what do you consider to be managing your money? Because I think people think of it differently. Um, managing your money to me is living within your means, um, really having that true six, you know, whatever month of savings it is for you. So my bookkeepers and accountants always make fun of me because I have to have this certain figure in my bank account at all times because I have, you know, uh, like a million dollars in payroll a year, right? So I have all these families that are dependent on me. These women are the breadwinners in their household that work for me. So I take that very seriously. So they always say you should not leave that much money in your account, but I always think about the unexpected. So what are we all going to do with the unexpected, the great recession? I survived that. I thrived because I was prepared. So money management for me is if you're a business owner, when you have excess cash, you don't go buy or lease a new car. You don't go move into the bigger house. And I always say, really, if you're a business owner, My motto is if I can pay for half of it with cash, then I can do it. If not, I need to keep saving because my responsibility is to my company. And then when when I can buy something, I can truly afford it, right? And that's the glory of being an entrepreneur. You don't have to wait 10 years. You can make the money you need to go live these crazy dreams. So what would you say to the woman that's listening that doesn't feel like she can make that money? Because there's a lot of people that feel that. Sure. I mean, I was there too, but here's my own point. So when you say make that money, you know, she might have to, her goal might be to get a a nice condo, right? Or to move into a nice apartment. I mean, I lived in apartments for the first 10 years of my business. I had my car repossessed and I still think back today and I was like, oh, I remember that Ford green Mustang would disappear in the middle of the night because I got behind on my payments. But I remember when they took it, I held my head high and I said, you know what? It's fine because I'm going to pay cash for my next car. I went out and got this junker old used Honda. I didn't care, didn't miss a beat. Yet, you know, eight years later or five years later, I don't remember what it was. I called that Space Coast Credit Union. I said, what do I owe you for that car you repossess? I wrote them a check for the balance of the car. It was like $10,000 that I never even got to finish driving, right? But I didn't want that karma on me. I owned it. It was my responsibility. So what I'm saying is all of our dreams need to be in perspective to being patient and we need to grow into them. Um, and, and quite honestly, if you're a business owner, your investments right now should be in yourself and getting coaches and books and going to conferences. And I've, I, most, I invested most of my money for the first 10 years of my business into myself. If I didn't know how to do something, I hired a coach to teach me because I knew it would save me time. And even today, we have it in our budget, like a spend for personal growth and learning because that's the only way I can lead this company. I, I don't have all the answers. So, so I get it. And I, I hope I answered your question. You know, I, one of my goals was to have food in my refrigerator. I remember it to this day. I now have it. I didn't at one time. So it's, that's why we do have to dream big and we do have to really focus on 
going within and really giving life to those dreams and blocking out the non-believers and pursuing them with a passion. So do you think, so from that moment where you were at a stage where your car was repossessed, so I'm guessing you had no cash. No, I had no cash. Yeah. What do you think is the mental shift that happened that got you first to a point of what would be the right word? You know, just basically where you're you're covering your basic needs. Sure. Then to a level where you had more than enough. And then the one I'm most interested in for selfish reasons is, because I think there's always been a unique perspective, is what was the mind shift that happened that got you to cross over to making a million dollars? Because I think there is like a mental leap yeah. that you make. You know, I would say consistency was key to getting myself to actually make money. I mean, my husband, I still joke, like he'll sound, I remember he used to say, you need to bring in $600 a month. If you can bring in 600, we can pay our bills because he was a struggling airline pilot. He didn't have a job yet. You know, he 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 was still flying and trying to get on the airlines. And so I'd make $600 and I did that for a long time. And I think the difference was um, I had a partner. And I broke off that that relationship because I realized we were not aligned in anything financially or even our goals for the future. So it was one of the toughest decisions I ever made in my entire life. Still pay for that sort of today in that relationship. But I, I made the decision I call it the day I grew up. And uh, so I, I got independent. And then I remember to the, that day when I kind of was on my own with no more partners, I realized all the money I make, I get to keep and I just hit those phones. And the biggest thing is, I think for a lot of business owners, the the stress and pressure of selling and generating revenue for our business, we always think maybe someday I won't have to do that. I can hire someone to do that or I'll run ads and that'll generate it for me. But the consistency in my business has come from realizing I'm probably going to have to sell to the day I die. And or until I, you know, don't have this business anymore because that's how we make our money. And if that's all I got to do to live this lifestyle, I'll do it because it's worth it. So every week, sales is my number one focus in my company, making sure we have revenue coming in. Mm, that's really good because that's kind of the hard truth that lots of people don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do it either. I, I had a full-time salesperson that we just moved into marketing and I'm like, oh, here I go again. I'm full-time sales. But I'm like, you know what? I never really left sales. And when you're doing sales and you're winning deals, it's like the most exciting thing in the world when you, you know, close a great sale. So, you know, unfortunately as entrepreneurs, that sort of we have to be good. And if you're not good, you have to learn how to be good at getting business because that's our job as the business owner. We have to sell it. People aren't going to just come to us unless we have maybe a storefront. Even then that's risky. Yeah. No joke. So we didn't, I didn't talk about it in the intro, but you're, I said you have a consulting firm and specifically you are consulting in the healthcare industry. Correct. And I don't know that industry well anymore. I used to know it when I was in banking, but my remembrance of it is that it changes pretty quickly. And I would imagine to stay relevant, you probably need to keep like dealing with the changes that are happening in the industry. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. It's nonstop. My business has changed more in the last three years than in the last 18 combined. But that's how I keep myself excited is I look at that as a benefit. And I'm, I have to stay one step ahead of everybody else. I have to be the go-to expert, right? So, um, and then I'm niched, right? And Angela Kim, who you interviewed, I think 
right before me. She was on last month. She always laughs because I say there's riches and niches, but it's true. It's like, we always want that glamorous job. Like I have a lot of speaker friends. They want to go speak for the Fortune 500 companies and they want the big names. No one really understands what I do. They don't know the companies I work with, but I kind of laugh all the way to the bank because I'm like, well, there's riches and niches. And if you become the expert in a small niche, you're going to be the go-to person, which means you can drive your rates and have a premium fee and be the go-to expert. So sometimes you have to really look at and for me, it's my, I'm so passionate about my space. And I'm to the point where I don't care what other people think. You know, I'm changing lives. I'm getting paid well to do it. We have a great niche and we own the space. So, you know, we have to not try to always be so sexy in what we're doing because sometimes the great wealth is in the things that aren't as sexy. Hmm. That's so good. And it doesn't apply to the the niche or the niche piece. But what I hear a lot of people saying are things like, oh, Facebook changed their algorithm again. Oh, whatever's not working. Oh, email email um, open rates are going down. Yes. And for me, that stuff, maybe partly because I follow you and partly because you've inspired me and I have other strong women inspire me. But when that stuff happens, I'm like, awesome, because that means that there's something new to learn that's going to work that not a lot of people are using yet. And if I can figure out what that is before someone else, it's going to work in my favor. Yes, you have to be a step ahead. And and it's unfortunate. Like I think about, I was just in New York, we were getting an Airbnb and we had to kind of hide it. The owner said, don't tell anybody you're renting, you know, that New York looks down upon this. And I thought, you know what, that's so unfair. Airbnb, consumer wants it. What, the hotel industry's mad because there's been this innovation and they're losing market share? Same with Ubers and cabs or Lyft and cabs. The cabs should have innovated. Right. So there's all this innovation and the people that innovate and learn and stay a step ahead are the ones that are going to thrive. It's it's just, you know, the reality. You asked something else that I think would be really important to people listening, because I know you work with so many women business owners. There was a, a pivotal point where I remember I could not get over a certain dollar amount in my, my business. And I'll just say it was like four hundred fifty thousand, And I did that for like 10 years. Every year, I was like just right around five hundred thousand dollars. And what I what I've realized in talking to a lot of women is that are business owners or even men is that they hit that point where they can't grow anymore financially because there's just no more time. Like I was a speaker then and traveling and speaking and coaching, and I can only take so much. I only have so much time. So for those people that are kind of plateaued, they have to be willing to to take big risk, right? And they have to be willing to get way out of their comfort zone. And one of the things that I realized is that for me to grow, I have to replicate myself. And at the time, I was a big part of National Speakers Association and all that. Everybody thought I was crazy. Like nobody's going to speak like you, Tracy. No one can convey your message like you. And I just went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going to teach what I do to someone else. And I remember I did it with the first person. So I was able to almost double my business. Today, I have four people who travel and speak. I don't have to go out. We have like eight trainers. And what I've actually learned is they do it better than I do it. I've learned more from them. And my clients, it's cool because everybody trains and consults in it from a different place and from their experience. So it made my company better because we had all this vast experience and perspective versus just mine. And it takes 
people being willing to set their ego aside. Because sometimes we think, well, only I can do that. Or I have to be here to run the company. And our whole motto is put yourself out of a job. The minute you're strong enough in your position, you've trained your replacement, you'll be ready here for a promotion. And we call it rise. So at Build, we're always working on who's ready to rise. If you want to get promoted out of your job, you better replace yourself. They better do it as good or better than you. And then we're going to look at you for a promotion. And it is what continuously allows us to grow. Wow. That is so, that mindset is so diametrically opposed to traditional corporate. I'm kind of like, I'm still (laughs) sort of processing. I mean, it is, it is, right? But because usually what we do, if someone does a job really well, we want to keep them in that job for the rest of their life because they're so valuable to us too. And so people get stuck, they plateau, and they leave. Our whole thing is we know they're going to get bored. Someone's not going to be a coach forever. And it's hard. It is hard. You have your best people. But what I've realized, if you don't help them develop and change and grow, they're ultimately going to leave. So we're best off to help them map out their own career path. And we're always looking for their zone of genius, their gift. We're asking them, you know, we're trying them in new roles, but before they can exit their role, they, they need to make sure someone else can run that job function. And that's, I think, what was just so crazy for my head to process just now, because that is what I think are, co- so any of you corporate people <laughs> listening to this, pay attention to that. Because the idea is you don't want to train someone to replace you, right? Because what if there's nothing for you? That's ego. That ego is the great killer. Those are people that are afraid. And I see it. I do see that happen in my own company that, well, boy, what if someone outperforms me? What does that mean for me? And I do have to address that. And sometimes I have to say to people, but you're not in the place in your life right now where you can rise to the next level with your circumstances. It doesn't mean this person should not get to rise. When your life changes and you're ready, I'll still be here and we will create that place for you. But right now, let's let these people around you rise. And yes, they may exceed you in talent, but we have to do that. And and ego is what keeps people from being able to do that. And that's a big part of leadership and really developing that in your leaders to not be insecure and that, you know, make sure they know their job is protected. They, you know, as long as they're doing a great job, you're great. But other people should be able to rise up and grow around you. Wow. That's amazing. That is truly amazing, Tracy. I love that. So I'm curious. I don't remember how we got into a conversation where you said, Patty, just if you need advice, just call me. Or if you need Gosh, I don't really remember how you put it because it wasn't just like, hey, just dial me up anytime. But it was very specific and it was very focused and said, look, I'm here and and I want other women around me to succeed. So if you do need that mentorship, then you know you can tap me for it. And of course, because it came from such a generous place, I've never crossed the line of taking advantage of that. But that moment that you offered that shifted something in me because up until that moment, the only people, the only women I saw putting out hands to other women were saying, yeah, you can have this, but with a paycheck. And I have no problem with women making money off of their brilliance. I mean, we all do, but I'm curious what in your experience made you the person that says that to someone who really, I don't think we knew each other that well at the time. Well, here's what I've learned. And I know exactly what you're talking about because 
I had a mentor. I begged her when I was an up and coming speaker, which was my dream. And I'm like, can I just come help at your conference? Observe. She's like, sure. And I, I said, I'll help. I'll work the tables. It was very young. She said for $20,000, you know, <laughs> I'll never forget it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But what I've learned, and this is going to sound kind of cold, is that I mean it when I love to help people change their lives. But what I've learned is most people are not going to do what it takes to change their lives. So when I feel like someone really does need a mentor and they're asking me in a way that I can tell they're sincere, I will offer that knowing full well that 9.8 out of 10 of those people are never going to call me because most people do not follow through, right? They don't execute. So the ones that call me, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I have an appointment tomorrow. Someone reached out to me wants to pick my brain about something. Now, I'm not going to do that for everybody, but I thought, hey, absolutely. I'm happy to help. If I can, the way the email was written, I could tell this person really needed, they had a plan, right? There was, it was not just give me the shortcut. So the difference is when someone like you takes action and then I know most people will not because they, they truly are not ready to change their life. And you know, I wrote Get Your Girl Back and I did a whole speaking tour and I toured. And then one day, I mean, I did on the Today Show with that, right? One day I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And what made me completely shut it down is that women were coming to me with their problems. And and listen, I feel their, I'm very empathetic. I feel people's pain. I carry it and it's exhausting because I'm an empath. Um, but they, I would give them advice. It's like they don't want the advice. And I realized That's why I love business. I'm being hired by people who actually want a solution and they have to do what I tell them or they're completely wasting their money. So I love to mentor people who really want advice and will execute, but it's exhausting to mentor people who just want constant kind of, oh, it's going to be okay. And I'm not going to say the same thing five times to somebody. I'm just going to say, you probably need to go find somebody else because I don't have the patience for this. Either do it or don't. Does that make sense? And, and you're an action person. So I, I sense that. I'm sure. I'm an energy feeling person. And I am happy. I'd love to help people. But you got to be willing to help yourself. Oh, wow. I feel so good about myself. I had no idea that that was the answer that was going to come. Seriously. So I, what I think is so good there that I want to highlight for everyone, because you know, you might be listening and think, well, I don't have a multi-million dollar business, so I'm not in a position to mentor people. One, you are, because everyone has something to offer. But two, Tracy, what, I, what I've felt about you from the moment I met you is this very deep, rich sense of wealth. And just in your answer, I realized what a piece of it is. Because when we met, you were talking in the context of your ability to run your business and and still be there for your kids when they got home from school. And so it was about like having true control over your time. What I realize is you have a deep respect for your time. And so for those of you listening, it's I know I have a lot of overgivers that listen. And so you keep throwing that time away at people who are not using it. That's a waste. The same way Tracy just talked about if you've got to use $10,000 well before you're going to get a hundred and you have to use a hundred well before you're going to get a million. And I, and I just realized that that's so unique about you, Tracy. Right. And, but also I think for many people, it's, it, I don't believe we, I mean, there are probably people that just want to make money. I, I believe that you are most successful when you use your God-given gifts and your purpose in the world. And it's not about time. It's about 
following your passion and then having clearly defined goals, you know, putting lots of action behind it because nothing at all. I really respect people who have created wealth because I've learned it, they work for it. Unless you're a trust fund baby, if you have money, in most cases, you really have worked hard for it because it's not easy to come by. And and the other thing to inspire people, these, you know, I have two kids. I have two teenagers now. They were young when I started my business, but I believe you must honor your priorities. So when my kids were born, I went from working 60 hours a week and speaking 20 days a month to moving my business home and going to three days a week and only speaking twice a month. And I had to figure out how do I not lose business momentum, but I realized I have to raise my kids and I want to do that. I don't want to put them in daycare. I want to be here. I want to be home with them. And I was so scared, but that's why I'm a big believer in intention. And it was during that time when I was working Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, which I still do to this day, that my business really grew. I had to become a time management master and I hired coaches. And I also learned it's not how much time we have because we all have the exact amount of time in life. It's what we do with the time we have. So if I only have three days and I'm the CEO of this company, my time is spent on strategy. My time is spent on marketing and sales, which is always sales. I don't spend money on marketing. So it's all sales and leadership development. And, and even that I learned from Victoria Linden, who's in my mastermind group. So it's, it's learning and asking other people that are more successful than you, how did you get there? So it's all these kind of things combined. And, you know, I don't, I, you know, we, we never really arrive either, right? You know that. It's, so it's constantly growing, looking for your next mentor, dream journaling to figure out what your soul needs next to stay motivated, to stay in the fight. Oh, that's so good. Now, normally the last question I ask is what advice would you give someone who's pursuing wealth and wanting to stay aligned with their purpose? I feel like you just gave the answer, but I'm curious. Do you have something else you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really important to understand that money in no way makes you happy. It just makes you more comfortable. And I'm a realist. It Life is much easier when you have money. Like I could go to the grocery today and not worry about what I spent, right? I could do it at 930 while most people are at work because it's my business. I love all that freedom, but it's also not what drives me. What really drives me is the impact I'm making in the world. And I have a feeling for most of your listeners and followers, that's important, but they probably limit. And there's some kind of excuse and barrier as to why they can't be successful. And I mean, forget your girl back. That book was a lot about me figuring out what my own mental barriers were. And it was a lack of, I don't deserve this because I, you know, I grew up with nothing. I don't deserve this. How dare I ask for a yacht or to travel around the world? I, I mean, I'm lucky just to have what I have. I finally learned how to get over that. You know what I mean? So you've got to do the self work also to understand what your barriers are and decide that you want to move past them and stop wallowing in them because, you know, some people just keep walking and reading the same stories. You got to do the work on yourself to, to open up the abundance. So, you know, there's a lot of probably little lessons in there, but I have all my goals on the wall. Like this morning, I had a really hard day today. I had a headache before our call, a lot of stress today from work and clients. I even thought about canceling the call. I'm just going to be honest because I'm like, my state, my mind's not right. But, you know, I went over around midday and I just started looking at my goals on a magnetic board and it just centered me because it reminds me of my why. And I would just advise everyone to have their goals on positive affirmations and things they can turn to when their mind starts to mess with them. Mm, so 
good, so good. I wish I could wrap you up in a little box and give you to everyone as a gift. Well, I guess that's what this is. So, you know, that just, um, that made me realize there was one thing I did want to bring into the interview. Before we started, we were talking and I was asking you how things were. We hadn't talked for a while. And we don't have to get into details, but there's two things going on that are, they're cumbersome. They're full of a lot of bullshit. They're just big old, what other people would call problems or just problematic journeys. And you had such a wise answer to what you're doing with them. So I want you to share whatever feels good to you about, you know, what that is and how you deal with that. Sure. And I think what you're referencing is we're in a massive lawsuit with a competitor. But what I was saying to Patty is I know what my limitations are. And as an entrepreneur, especially if you have employees and you have clients, you have to be able to keep your head in the game. So I've learned where my strengths are and where my weaknesses are. And my weakness is I don't operate well under stress. So like if there's financial stress, I feel pressure. I have to sell. I'm terrible at it. Right. But if I have money in the bank and I'm selling for tomorrow, I'm awesome at it. Right. It's that whole, I know what my limitations are. So like with the lawsuit, I hired an amazing attorney and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this. You handle it. I don't want to be on calls. It will, it'll shut me down. And whenever he calls me, I just say, I'm just, I'm going to try to answer your questions. And then I'd like to go because I need to get out of this headspace. And then I was referencing, we're building a house. And I did the same thing with my husband. I said, I love you. This is our dream. We're going to build it from a place of love. But here's my ask. And that's that I'm not involved in the building of the house because I will get you know, drawn in and emotional. And I need to keep, because, you know, there are always things going wrong when you're building a house and they are right now. The windows have to be pulled out and there's all this stuff going on with the architect and builder, but I'm not part of it. And, you know, he's honoring that and I'm honoring that. And it just doesn't get to me because it's not my deal. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, knowing what you're good at and keeping your focus there and being willing to hire and spend money, like making those investments. I have a COO, you know, who handles the day-to-day business because, it's very stressful. And it took me a while to get to that point. I mean, I've been in business 20 years. So we also have to remember all of these things. We must allow time for our dreams to manifest, right? We're going to be here in 10 years anyway. So what are you going to be doing? Make it what you want to do. So we have to be patient. There is no get rich quick. Everybody's gotten there. It's been a battle and it's been probably 10, 15 years or more. Mm, I love that so much, that advice or that wisdom. So I hope if you were listening, you got that because you know, there was a um, metaphysical teacher, uh, Abraham Hicks. So it's Esther Hicks channels this collective unconscious of, called Abraham. And a lot of you know people that I hang with li- read it and listen to it. And at one point, you know, it was there was a question about a lawsuit and who wins. And Abraham said, whoever has the least resistance. And that, oh, I love that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that, that seems like, yo, that sounds good. But how does that actually look in real life? Like that's always been my thing yeah. is that's great to understand the law of attraction. It's great to understand visualization, whatever it is. But how does it look in real life? Like how does someone do that? And you just explained it. And that to me is amazing. Well, it may not go in my favor, right? I'm trusting it will. But I told myself I'm going to deal with it at that time. I always say it's like a shark. If I'm there, people say, why do you let your kids swim in the ocean and go tubing? And I'm like, or aren't you afraid? I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not going to let them miss out on the fun because of my fear. Should it happen? We'll deal with it at that time, right? It's like, I'm not going to miss out on life because I'm afraid of what might happen, right? It's like, I'm going to live my life out loud and full. And should something happen that's bad, I'll deal with it when it actually happens. (laughs) So 
Yeah. Right? And I know as an entrepreneur, we think about all the bad things that could happen and we just need to focus on what we want, not what we don't want and give it every ounce of gusto we have. That energy is so real. I feel like saying, yeah, bitches. Well, you so know I'm it. There, I just said it. There we go. I love it. So, um, Tracy, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, um, I'm going to ask you for any like final thoughts, but I just want to tell all of you, we will have a link to get your girl back in the show notes. We'll have links to um, where you can find Tracy, where you can kind of look at her, um, all the awesome stuff she's doing in the world. I highly recommend get your girl back because we really didn't even get into the story of it. And it's awesome. Thank you. What, uh, what last thoughts, what any last ideas, comments, inspiration do you want to leave the listeners with? Well, on Get Your Girl Back, I do want to say um, that is truly a labor of love for me. I put that book off for 10 years. It killed me to finish it, but I know it was part of my life's purpose. It is like a workbook, and we've had so many women. They cry all the way through it. But it is, I, it's kind of like I did it for myself, right? But if, if anybody's listening that just lacks confidence or they've kind of lost that dreamer girl that lived inside of them and that girl with gusto maybe 10, 15 years ago before kids, before divorce, whatever they're going through, to me, you know, you've got to have that girl front and center. So, you know, the book is great. It's very inexpensive to be able to grab something and really start the journey of working through these things we talked about today. I talk about wealth and building it and mindset, you know, how to break through self-limiting thoughts. I guess a lot of what we've discussed is in that book. And um, and it would be a great starting point for people that really want to change. And, and the last thing I'd say is your life truly is a direct reflection of your thoughts. And the thoughts are the most powerful things that we have. The brain controls every function in your body. Everything that happens in life is manifest from the brain. So be very careful about what you think, what you say, because that's what you're going to manifest. And that is my ultimate truth. Bam. <laughs> you're so fun. I will say nothing more. Go go check out Miss Tracy. Go get her book. Go follow her because she is so freaking awesome. I don't even have words for it. Tracy, thank you so much for being here. And thank you especially for not canceling. Oh, no, I couldn't do that to you. <laughs> no, thank you. It's a fun conversation. I really appreciate you thinking about me and uh, inviting me on. I, I admire you so much. Thank you, Patty. Oh, thank you. Okay, everyone. So go out, go get your girl back. At least get the book and start. All right. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Purpose Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found us. It fills my heart when I read a review and helps us reach many more people. So thank you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.